Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it's a Thursday, July 20th. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN on this, the Feast of St. Elijah the Prophet. And we're going to be talking about him with our very own Steve Ray coming up uh, toward the end of the program at about 9.39. And before that, though, and this is the left-hander going kind of backwards, right? Uh, Father Mitch Pacwa cultural connections. You don't want to miss this interview. Father is always so insightful and just so incredibly smart when it comes to understanding the cultural connections and how we are, are to view everything, as we say, at EW10 and Ave Maria, through the lenses of scripture and the teachings of the church. Thank you, Jesus. So my wonderful producer, Andrew, who basically finishes my sentences, and I think he's uh, psychic or something and reads my mind, always knows what the stories that I like to cover. And in which I'm interested. So he's always looking, which every good producer should do, is look for different stories that might be of interest to discuss with our various guests. And so he came across this story on the Federalist website. Listen to this headline, but take a breath and say a prayer. The Biden White House says a military has a sacred, yes, that word sacred, sacred obligation to abort babies with your money. So your tax dollars at work, ladies and gentlemen. Now, there are several very prominent members of Congress that are speaking out against this, but this attitude and using this language of sacred, in addition to being so offensive as to what they're supporting with our tax dollars, obviously the killing of the innocent in the womb and so many other problems associated with abortion, the fallout from that, but calling it sacred to kill people. And this is is the mind game. These are the semantics that they use trying to get this idea in your head that this is a sacred right. This isn't the first time this language has been used, by the way, but to say it from a White House, from the White House, and to say it from this position of authority that it's sacred and it's a sacred obligation. This is how far we've come in worshiping. Worshiping abortion on the part of many in office and elsewhere. So we'll discuss with Father Mitch Pacwa and some other news stories if we have time that I find interesting. I'd love his reaction to. We'll see if we can fit it in. Steve Ray, as I mentioned, joining us. It is the Feast of St. Elijah the Prophet. So it's interesting because the Catechism talks about why Old Testament prophets are considered saints. So you can actually, and Steve and I are going to discuss this in more detail, but in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 61 the patriarchs, prophets, and certain other Old Testament figures have been and always will be honored as saints in all the church's liturgical traditions. So I found this really cool article on Alatea talking about Elijah. The prophet Elijah is celebrated by members of the Carmelite order as well as many Eastern Christians on July 20th. It is a feast that honors the life of the Old Testament prophet and his fiery ascent into heaven. He is revered as a saint by both Carmelites and Eastern Christians, recognizing his extraordinary holiness and faithfulness to God. Even though he lived before the incarnation of our Lord, he is still seen as a model for all Christians. So Steve Ray will have more, so you need to stay tuned for the entire program. We hope you do that anyway. Weather-wise, let's take a look at what's happening around the country with this dangerous heat wave that unfortunately continues in the southern part of the country, both the Uh, Middle of the south and also the southwest, an extremely dangerous heat wave continuing over the southwest U.S. well into next week. So 
it's really rough and it's going to continue unfortunately with oppressive heat remaining across the south central and the southeastern u.s through at least this weekend some 80 million people will experience an air temperature or heat index above 105 degrees throughout the weekend and they're expecting dozens of daily record high temperatures possible across the country so be careful out there and especially if you have elderly that you're taking care of make sure that they have plenty of water and are in a cool place super important all right it's already four minutes past the hour let's get started so we can bring up our fabulous guests of father mitch pacwa and steve ray right after the news on a thursday morning july 20th the feast of saint elijah Catholic News Agency reporting this morning, Italian Cardinal Matteo Zuppi meeting with President Joe Biden this week to discuss the Vatican's humanitarian efforts in war-torn Ukraine. A statement from the White House following the two-and-a-half-day meeting said that they discussed the Holy See's efforts to provide humanitarian aid to address the widespread suffering caused by Russia's continuing aggression in Ukraine, as well as the Vatican's advocacy for the return of forcibly deported Ukrainian children. The Ukrainian government says that Russia forcibly deported thousands of Ukrainian children to Russia after the invasion last year. Hundreds of demonstrators have been scaling the walls of the Swedish embassy in Baghdad protesting a public burning of the Quran. Swedish police granting an application yesterday for a public meeting outside the Iraqi embassy in Stockholm. A Swedish news agency says two people plan to burn the Quran in the Iraqi flag during that meeting. It's the second Quran protest in Sweden in two months. In June, a protester setting fire to the Muslim holy book outside a mosque in Stockholm, an act that was condemned by Pope Francis. The Iraqi government says it will cut off diplomatic ties if this latest planned burning does take place. Religious liberty advocates in a hearing, according to Catholic News Agency this week, sharing details with members of Congress on the dire strait, or state excuse me, of religious freedom in countries around the world. Advocates highlighting several nations, including India, Nigeria, and Nicaragua, where, according to human rights advocates, violations have been largely ignored by the U.S. and the international community, according to witnesses. As Catholic News Agency explains, the House Foreign Affairs Subcommittee on Global Health, Global Human Rights, and International Organizations hosted the hearing chaired by Representative Chris Smith from New Jersey. He said billions of people around the world, half of the world's population, are not able to practice their faith freely. He also said that assaults on religious freedom are a major threat to the U.S. national security and the worst violators of religious freedom globally are often the biggest threats to our country. Unfortunately, Smith went on, he's concerned that our State Department here in the U.S. is not using all the tools provided to hold guilty parties accountable. Out of Rome, eight Catholic universities from across the globe wrapping up a two-day conference in Italy. And as Devin Watkins reports from Vatican News, they're developing a five-year strategy to educate young people and pursue research about the social impact of artificial intelligence. Over 80 professors and researchers from eight Catholic universities in Chile, Spain, Australia, the U.S., Japan, Portugal, Brazil, and Spain met to discuss the challenges and opportunities presented by advances in artificial intelligence, or AI. In their discussions at the conference entitled The Future of Catholic Universities in the AI Age, the researchers drew the conclusion that AI will lead to multidisciplinary overlap between hard sciences and social sciences. Professor Marco Carlo Passarotti, a professor at the Sacred Heart University, said the separation between humanities and science disciplines is likely to be relegated to the past due to the application of AI. 
Humanists have always made use of data, noted Professor Passarotti, but they have never had such a large amount of data at their fingertips and such a quality of massive processing. AI advances also present new challenges to researchers without threatening to obliterate their role. The Sacru professors agreed that AI can enable people to achieve a greater understanding of the world and themselves if it is used correctly and ethically. Universities offer a means to embrace the evolution of AI technologies and employ them in ways that put human beings at the center. In a hearing yesterday in Washington, IRS whistleblowers accusing the Justice Department of improperly interfering in the criminal investigation into Hunter Biden's taxes. Here's IRS investigator Gary Shapley, who leveled some very serious charges. Prosecutors concealed contents of Hunter Biden's laptop from investigators. DOJ slow walk steps to include interviews, serving document requests, and executing search warrants. An IRS special agent Joseph Ziegler claiming there were several mistakes during the Hunter Biden investigation. Assigned prosecutors did not appear to follow the normal investigative process, slow walk the investigation, and put, pla- put in place unnecessary approvals and roadblocks from effectively and, e- and efficiently investigating the case. Shapley adding the DOJ refusing to bring felony charges against the president's son who recently reached a plea deal pleading guilty to two charges of misdemeanor in tax evasion. Shapley also claiming investigators are not allowed to follow up on leads that may have implicated Joe Biden in alleged influence peddling. The wife of a suspected New York serial killer is now filing for divorce. Court filings show the wife of Rex Humerman filing for divorce in Suffolk County Supreme Court yesterday afternoon. Her husband is charged with three murders over 10 years ago and is accused of then dumping the bodies along a Long Island beach. Congressional Republicans continuing to hammer the issue of illegal immigration. At a hearing yesterday, former Texas DPS Captain Jason Jones urging the federal government to step up the fight against the drug cartels. If we do not designate these cartels as foreign terrorist organizations, 100,000 Americans that we are losing year after year to date is just the beginning. The head of the House Homeland Security Subcommittee, Tennessee's Mark Green, laying the blame at the feet of the Biden administration, citing the five and a half million illegal arrests, illegal immigration arrests in 2021, since 2021. Lisa Taylor tells us new details are coming out about a very bizarre story concerning a woman who went missing after reporting seeing a toddler walking alongside a highway in Alabama and then reappearing two days later. Police told reporters on Wednesday that Carly Russell claims a man jumped out of a tree and abducted her when she went to check on the child. They've been unable to verify her story after investigating and reviewing surveillance footage. Sam Brock with more details. The Hoover Police Department also writing in a statement that before her disappearance, Russell picked up snacks from a local target. Those snacks were not found at the scene. The Russell's belongings, phone and wig were left behind. Russell returned on foot Saturday night. Police also say the 25-year-old search history shows that she looked up times for a bus station, information on Amber Alerts, and the film Taken during the incident. Russell went missing last week after making a 911 call reporting she had seen a toddler walking alongside a highway on July 13th. Police found her car, but no trace of Russell or a child. Two records broken this week on Tuesday in the southwest heat wave. The National Weather Service saying the temperature in Phoenix never dipped below 97 degrees Tuesday morning. Now that made it the city's warmest low temperature of all time. Later in the day, it went up to 119 degrees, the highest Phoenix has seen in some six years. And the heat causing problems for many, many people, including businesses. For example, Bree Tennis tells us that winemakers are very worried the prolonged heat wave could ruin their harvest. 
Oregon State University says extreme bursts of heat can adversely affect wine grapes, turning them into wrinkled, dehydrated raisins. White grapes can actually get sunburned, and that makes them bitter. California's wine harvest starts in August, so it's too early to tell if this blast of heat will affect the taste and cost. When it comes to wine management, Wine America says, just like us, wine grapes need shade and hydration for best results. Air quality slowly improving for millions as smoke from those Canadian wildfires starts to thin. Despite the improvements, air quality alerts are still in place over a dozen states in the northeast from New Hampshire to Wyoming. This week, four states reporting new wildfires, bringing the nation's total to roughly two dozen as a heat wave slams the southern U.S., as we mentioned earlier in the weather. Dry areas of Arizona, New Mexico, and California are battling both extreme wildfire conditions and record high temps, as we mentioned. Trey Thomas tells us there's some much-needed good news for grocery shoppers. After months of increases, milk and cheese prices are finally going down. Milk has gone down. In fact, it's at its lowest price level since March of 22. David Anderson is an agriculture economist at Texas A&M University. He says dairy farmers are producing more milk than before, which is part of the equation. And finally, in our news segment at about 13 minutes past the hour on July 20th, 2023, on the Feast of St. Elijah, developers say they're planning a $2 billion theme park in Oklahoma that will be similar to a Disneyland, but more of an Americana-themed Disneyland-type park. The American Heartland theme park and resort will be built near Grand Lake with an opening scheduled for 2026. The developers are saying that theme park will be comparable in size to Disneyland and will feature a 300-acre RV park as well. It is a Thursday morning in the middle of summer. You are listening to EWTN. Check us out online at EWTN.com. Speaking of EWTN, the one, the only, Father Mitch Pacwa joining us for our Cultural Connections. Up next, discussing a recent story about how the Biden administration, the White House, saying that the military has a sacred obligation to provide abortions with your tax dollars. We'll be right back. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. I don't like looking back. I prefer to look forward and keep moving forward. There's plenty to cover. I do a lot of research and try to dig out the bits and pieces of a life or an agenda that people don't want to talk about. The World Over with Raymond Arroyo. Tonight, 8 Eastern on EWTN Radio and Television. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. 
You and your spouse are invited to cruise with Royal Caribbean this January, along with Father Michael Schmidt, Archbishop Nauman, Al, Teresa, Dr. Ray, and many others. Get away with your spouse on a fun, relaxing, and rejuvenating cruise with inspiring speakers, daily mass, and endless memorable experiences. Father Michael Schmidt's comments, you'll encounter an amazing community of couples and speakers, and most importantly, you'll encounter Christ. More details at AveMariaRadio.net. Just click the travel link. Language, semantics, the wording of things, extremely important to get people to think and act in particular ways. The media, even in their Associated Press style guide, are, have been telling reporters for a while now not to refer to pregnancy resource centers as pregnancy resource centers, but to call them anti-abortion centers. Why? Because they don't want any positive information getting out there about pregnancy resource centers, and they want to get the message out that they are fake clinics, which is what the left has been saying for some time now. So we see this story that's pretty recent, uh, dated July 18th. It was on uh, the Federalist website. Biden White House military has sacred obligation to abort babies with your money. So, Father Mitch, thanks for joining us again, as you always do on Thursdays for Cultural Connection. When we talk about the word sacred, as Catholics, that means something extremely beautiful and important to us. And so to attach it to something as evil, intrinsically evil as abortion, is Mm -hmm. beyond, I I don't even know what to say. I was just wondering what you think of this, because I think it's very, very strategic that they're doing this. Yeah, if I may just give a quick background on, that I think is underlying this. Back in, uh, as soon as Reconstruction was done, various segregation laws came in, and the Supreme Court upheld segregation in 1896 with Plessy v. Ferguson. And that was uh, Democrat policy. Where this issue is connected, for uh, especially for the Democrat Party, is that in 1912, President Woodrow Wilson, otherwise the most liberal president we had until President Obama, Wilson segregated the military and said that African Americans could not be trigger-pulling soldiers, and no company with federal contracts could hire blacks. That was his executive orders. Would uh, Roosevelt, during the war, rescinded the second one, but he still would not let blacks be trigger-pulling soldiers because he would have lost the Democrats in the South if he had done that. But Truman changed that. In 1947, Truman himself, a Democrat, allowed blacks in, and the military became one of the most important institutions in the country for promoting racial integration. African-American soldiers and white soldiers served together, and when you're in combat in Korea, Vietnam, etc., you are brothers. You, you have each other's back. Your life depends on each other. Mm-hmm. And that broke down racial issues. Because that was so effective and was part of the background for the success of the civil rights movement of the 50s, 60s, and 70s, now these same politicians look to the military 
as the place where they can accomplish all sorts of other social tasks. Mm -hmm. It's as much about changing society as it is about the um, uh, no, protecting the country. And what they're doing by promoting uh, various sexual agendas, including uh, women in combat uh, from back in the 1990s, uh, is trying to change society's mm -hmm. attitudes. Now, here's one of the realities. But, uh, now we move away from theory that service women are getting pregnant, particularly in the Navy, but in the other branches too, of course. And that takes away from their time on duty. Mm -hmm. And they want to be able to uh, give them abortions, but they, many of our bases are located in states that have now banned abortion. So they want to maintain having women in the military, and they don't want them to have their military career interfered with a pregnancy, because they get maternity leave if they're pregnant. They can't fight uh, in battle if they're pregnant. Uh, and so <laughs> this is one of the realities. And so they're trying to maintain this social program Plus, we, we, I, I've heard people say this, but it, it's not just political commentators. Mm -hmm. Even a feminist uh, theologian who was uh, teaching for many years up at Boston College had said that the eighth sacrament should be abortion. Mm -hmm. She even designed a ritual for it. And yeah. on the left, Abortion is nearly sacramental. It is an absolute. And that also informs its sacredness. So it's both part of social programs and it's part of their, their, their uh, ideology that abortion is necessary. I think uh, Vice President uh, Kamala Harris Build the beans last Friday when she said we are going to end global warming and reduce the population and you will have better health and better care. Mm -hmm. Now, they, be they, they tried to get say, oh, she didn't mean reduce the population. She didn't mean that. She did, too. That's why she said it. Right. And it's right. what their ideology is. So part of the sacredness of it is it also supports their number uh, one concern about global warming and global warming is caused by people. Reducing population is key. Pelosi had also let the beans uh, uh, out when the health care bill under President Obama came out. And she said, we have to include abortion. Think of all the money we'll save. That was her quote when she was interviewed by George Stephanopoulos about the health care bill. We mm -hmm. have to include abortion and um, uh, euthanasia. Think of all the money we'll save. That was the, her look. And he tried to get her to walk her back. No, she said, no, she doubled down on that. Mm -hmm. So okay. this is what 
I think is part of their the sacredness of this. And uh, uh, Admiral Kirby uh, was simply um, stating what they believe. Talking with Father Mitch Pachman on a Thursday for our cultural connections about a story recently released about the White House declaring abortion a sacred obligation. When we come back, we'll play the, the full clip and we'll open up the segment uh, after the break with this. But I think, too, just from a journalistic perspective and the importance of language, you see the media doing this as well, where I mentioned the AP style guide is now so just picking up all the language of the left. It has been for a while, but most recently they they insist that the media in the style guide do not refer to pregnancy resource centers as such, but refer to them as anti-abortion centers. And so this idea of getting this language out there, Father, because if you hear the word sacred, it really brings up a positive image in terms of something that is, is really important, really special to you, really meaningful, whether you're a religious person, but that word sacred carries a particular meaning. And so the left is always doing this and trying to make abortion mm-hmm. look like something as to what it isn't, really, in terms mm-hmm. of the killing of the innocent. But yeah, well, we'll talk more about that when we come back. But again, they do this repeatedly in terms of... Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, right, and- right. And it's not that that the uh, the, the style uh, manual is reflecting the language of the left; they're creating the language right. of the left. Right. This is where they get schooled, and you know that's something that is extremely important to remember: that they are uh, the the papers that are training people in this way of thought. And they're trying to train us in that way of thought as a result of that. That's why the main reason why they do it. More with Father Mitch Pacwa on a Thursday morning. He joins us every week to talk about the cultural connections. Continuing our conversation on this idea of God help us, the intrinsic evil of abortion being referred to as sacred by so many out there in the culture today. More coming up on a Thursday. Stay tuned. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10. Live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Knowledge by acquaintance is what St. Paul's talking here. We need to increase our acquaintance of God. What can we do to increase our knowledge of God? Well, study scripture, pray fast. But here's the obvious question. Are you increasing in the knowledge of God? Or are you simply kind of staying stable? You're living off past encounters. When we speak of increasing our knowledge of God, as I said, you can read all the books you want about God and you'll have lots of information, but it doesn't mean that you'll necessarily become acquainted with him. We need to know God by acquaintance. And that's what lies at the heart of all true religion. Cresta in the Afternoon weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. In the world of religion, what constitutes a promise? What constitutes a vow? How do they differ? The Catholic Catechism states that the Christian is called to make promises in a number of different ways, such as in baptism, confirmation, matrimony, and holy orders. A Christian may also make promises that are uniquely his own, such as promising to say certain prayers, give alms, or make a pilgrimage. Remaining faithful to a promise we make to God demonstrates the respect due Him and His divine love. 
A vow is a deliberate and free act of devotion in which a Christian dedicates himself to God or promises God some good work. The Church recognizes as especially exemplary those who embrace the evangelical counsels of poverty, chastity, and obedience. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. And our policies, whether they're diversity, inclusion, and equity, or whether they're about transgender individuals who qualify physically and mentally to serve to be able to do it with dignity, or whether it's about female service members, one in five, or female family members being able to count on the kinds of health care and reproductive care specifically that they need to serve. Uh, that is a foundational, sacred obligation of military leaders across the river. So there it is. There is the actual clip to which we're referring and responding to this morning, talking with uh, Father Mitch Pacwa, our Cultural Connection segment here on Thursday mornings on Catholic Connection on EWTN. If you watch that clip, he's hitting the podium. I mean, he's really passionate about this. And yeah. in terms of what they say about abortion. And then the other thing with the language, Father, and I want to touch upon this as well, is this is what drives me crazy because in the media just repeat this, regurgitate it. And as you said, they're training their reporters. And I think they're now doing this. I know they're now doing this at college journalism schools, which is oh, atrocious. But I mean, this is the whole mindset. But basically, he's, he's using the words nuancing reproductive rights, health care mm-hmm. with abortion and with the so-called transitioning surgery. So they're connecting these two. So the language, this is why we have to listen closely when we hear people speak about these things. Exactly. And, you know, take them seriously. Uh, they say what they mean, and they mean, mean what, what they, they say. say. Mm-hmm. And we have to pay attention to all that. Uh, this is extremely important. Um, and it's you know, something that um, when it comes to this kind of social change, uh, it, it has a variety of sides to it. But one thing that I don't think we can omit is the role of evil in this, mm-hmm. that there is an evil quality about all this that we see with, um, you know, this alliance with death. Do you remember that line from Scripture, uh, the prophet Isaiah, a couple other prophets have mentioned it, and how in Scripture, death is God's enemy. Mm-hmm. <coughs> it is not God's ally. And the the very difficult thing going on is that some of these folks treat death as if it were God's ally. Mm. Uh, they use this as policy. And we, like Pelosi was saying, um, and you see that uh, whether it's in the New Testament or the Old, in uh, the New Testament, our Lord's uh, uh, is said to be at enmity with death, and this is exactly uh, one of the things going on here, that there is this enmity, that uh, death is opposed to him. That's why he conquers death. 
that's part of the theology of the resurrection. And it's why we, we also have to remember that we need to keep a, a very clear sense in our own minds about this enmity with death, that we don't use death as our policies. This opposes, uh, this is an opposition to God our Lord. And we, uh, it fits what Christ had said when he talked about how um, Satan is a liar and the father of lies, mm-hmm. and a murderer from the beginning. Those go together. Deception and death go together in the mind of Christ. We have to keep that clear in our own mind. We do nothing to support uh, death as a policy, and we do nothing to support um, the role of uh, uh, not only death, but also um, not supporting any form of deception about it. We tell the truth that this is contrary to God, and this is, has to be our policy. Father, it also, I think, too, as well, it, it really becomes a religion for people when you don't have God and when you ease God out. I always say the word ego is an acronym, easing God out. And so you don't, you have to worship something. And so if you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping self, which leads you to all kinds of problems and evils as an abortion, correct? Right. Right. Uh, And this is, uh, again, you cannot uh, underestimate the power of that, you know, in, uh, in, in anybody's life. This is something that is a grave evil. Um, People want to make... As a matter of fact, something that I remember reading about the drug cartels, uh, you know, that I think is also extremely important here. The drug cartels worship Santa Muerte, Holy Death. Hmm. That they and, and by by worshiping, I mean they'll give little sacrifices and. They promote death. You you see this, you know, uh, these kind of images uh, in you know, especially in Hispanic culture uh, of the, uh, for the Day of the Dead. Right. Mm-hmm. And notice how the Day of the Dead, not All Souls Day, but the Day of the Dead, has sort of gotten some cachet in popular culture. Mm-hmm. And they use skeletons and these um, skulls and things like that that are, you know, very stylized uh, as the symbols of that. Well, that that also is the symbol of Santa Muerte, worshipped by the drug cartels, who are sociopathic in their deception and killing. Well, this to me, symbolizes that religious element of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. That there's this uh, approach towards death that has a religious quality, and while I don't think, uh, I can't imagine that Admiral Kirby uh, would 
be have anything to do with Santa Muerte. I I can't imagine. I think it would be a good image for the sacredness of killing innocent children in abortion that he has brought up. And I think that is something very significant. And we, we have to realize what's going on in terms of the language. Language is very powerful. Words are powerful and they have meaning. Mm-hmm. And the left has been, uh, the, especially abortion movement, has been very successful in getting us to even repeat their own language. That's why we always have to use pro-life language and understand what's really going on here. And I also, Father, think maybe next time we can discuss this, a lot of folks that are involved in the abortion industry are acting, and that's why we have to pray so hard for them. Uh, pray for those in the abortion mills, pray for those who've had abortions because they're coming from a place of pain and they're wounded. And we need to, to reach out to them in addition to stand up for the rights of everyone from conception until natural death. Father, always great to chat with you and get your insight. Father Mitch Pacwa from EWTN. Steve Ray talks to us about our saint for today, Elijah, when we come back on a Thursday. Stay tuned. Father Benedict Groeschel. Ah, oh, I love reverence. Wherever I go in the world, I usually go to visit the religious buildings. And no matter what I see, I see reverence. Awe. I've been in temples and mosques where I saw more reverence and awe of God than I see in Christian churches, even sometimes in Catholic churches. Oh, yes. Let me say it. And when I was a boy, Catholics were much more reverent and respectful in church. You never, ever spoke in church. I was a young priest. A man had a heart attack at the beginning of Mass. I stopped the Mass. We prayed for the man while the police were coming, the ambulance. They removed him from the church. He didn't die. Not one word was spoken. The police officers and the ambulance attendants who came whispered, respect. I wish it were true today. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Do you rely on energy drinks to give you a boost? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Sales of energy drinks continue to grow rapidly, up to $20 billion yearly. Manufacturers are often promoting these drinks as a healthy alternative to other drinks like sugary soda and sports drinks. Energy drinks can be low in sugar and calories, but are high in caffeine. Some 12-ounce energy drinks have 200 milligrams of caffeine. That's about the same as two Red Bulls, two cups of coffee, or six cans of cola. Drinks have even been included in some school lunchrooms. So what's the big deal? Adults should have no more than 400 milligrams of caffeine per day. And doctors recommend that for kids age 12 to 18, no more than 100 milligrams a day. Under age 12, no caffeine at all. It's easy to bust through these suggested amounts daily. Heart and sleep issues can arise. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on energy drinks at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Nine minutes past the hour. Welcome back. It's a Thursday morning. Catholic Connection, coast to coast and around the globe on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. This show co-produced by EWTN and Ave Maria Radio. Steve Ray, well known to our listeners and viewers here at EWTN. Today is a feast of St. Elijah, 
the prophet and very beautiful story and i love all the things we've learned about him with you in the holy land especially at the site of the transfiguration so steve a lot of people forget that the church recognizes patriarchs prophets and old testament figures they recognize and honor them as saints correct good morning thanks Absolutely. for joining us Absolutely. Well, I'm always happy to join you, Teresa. I love doing your show. You're a great interviewer and a great friend. Um, I, it is the Old Testament. Uh, the Catechism says in paragraph 61, the patriarchs and prophets, so that includes Elijah, and certain other Old Testament figures have been and always will be honored as saints in all the Church's liturgical traditions. So we have St. Adam and Eve, St. Moses, St. Noah, St. Elijah and Elisha, St. King David, all of these wonderful Old Testament figures are actually considered saints and can be addressed that way. So let's talk about, uh, let's start with the Old Testament and Elijah, for people who may not be that familiar with him. All right, well, the old this is really fascinating because you can sometimes find out, <coughs> excuse me, how important someone is by how often they're mentioned. He's mentioned 106 times in the Bible. There's wow. very few people that... <coughs> Swallowed rock, sorry. You okay? There's very few people mentioned in the Bible 106 times, and 29 times in the New Testament alone. Mm. 29 times in the New Testament, and eight times he's referred to in the Catechism, which gives a pretty good impression of how important he is in Scripture. And he is in the 800 B.C. area, and he's in the northern tri tribes of Israel up in the north, and he is considered to be the father of the prophets because mm. he is so significant, and he's probably the first one that really steps up as a prophet, speaking God's Word, right, putting his finger right in the king's nose sometimes, and saying, it's not going to rain in this land until I say so. There's going to mm. be a drought. And can you imagine the courage that he had yeah. doing that? He, he had a great relationship with God. He had a, he, he was kind of a loner. He's a, a hairy guy. He wore a leather belt, and that's significant because the only other person in the Bible mentions wearing a hairy robe and a leather John the belt Baptist. is John the yeah. Baptist. Mm -hmm. exactly. So he's a forerunner of John the Baptist, yeah. yeah. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. And so, so John the ba uh, Elijah is, was actually spent most of his time in the country of Jordan today, not in Israel, although he was on the Mount of Transfiguration and other places, but he was born on the other side of the Jordan River. He was killed on the, uh, he lived over on the other side, mostly on the other side of the river. He went up into heaven. He wasn't killed. It was John the Baptist, but he went up into heaven from the other side of the Jordan River. So he, that's really the Holy Land is not just the Israel part, but it also contains the Jordan as well. That's part of the Holy Land as well. And I so, know, that's why I was really glad that you took us there on, the, on, that, on that journey a couple of years ago. That was amazing. It was in 2000, early 2019, so we had, had a chance to see many of the places you're talking about this morning, which was awesome, and it helped bring everything together even further. Yep, and we're doing that again in September of next year, so if anybody wants to go... Uh, no, actually, it's uh, February of next year. We're doing Jordan and Israel, so if anybody mm. wants to go to Jordan, and we see all of these biblical sites, especially related to Elijah the prophet, where Jesus was really baptized on the other side right. by John the Baptist. Now, the, the fact that he is at the Mount of Transfiguration, which you mentioned already, is significant because the two that are there are Moses and Elijah, and someone say, well, why would those two guys be there? Because in, you and I refer to the Old Testament as the Old Testament, but 
in biblical times, that wasn't the case. There wasn't any Old and New Testament. There was just the law and the prophets. And that's how Jesus said, he's arguing with the Pharisees, he said, it says in the law and the prophets, that is our Old Testament. Right. So who represents the law? Moses. Who represents the prophets? Elijah. So who do you think is going to be at the Mount of Transfiguration? Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets. They represent it. And who do they meet? Jesus, who is now the fulfillment of it all. And I like to say that they had brought everything up through the whole law and the prophets, the whole Old Testament, and now they're handing the baton onto Jesus, and they say, take it the rest of the way. And Jesus grabs the baton, and he takes it all the way through a new exodus, all the way to heaven. So that's why these two guys are so significant and why they're chosen to be at the Mount of Transfiguration. What I think is also important, by the way, if you're just tuning in on a Thursday morning, have a great conversation about our saint for today, this July 20th, of course, uh, St. Elijah the Prophet. Going to the Transfiguration, that site is is phenomenal, and, and when you're on the mountain, it's just, it's just incredible. But what I think is so significant is it helps us understand the teaching of the church on the intercession of the saints. Now, we know that Elijah was assumed as fiery assumption. Moses died. So what is Jesus doing, and with whom is he speaking? Well, he's speaking with Moses, who who died, we know, from Scripture, and also Elijah, who was, had this, you know, fiery uh, assumption. He didn't, you know, uh, did not, you know, go up on his own, ascend on his own, because that is only for God, as in Jesus. But when you see Jesus conversing with Moses, and Elijah, then you have to understand that this is what we're talking about in terms of the intercession of the saints. Jesus is conversing with these people, and, and we're often criticized, and maybe because we don't know how to explain it well enough. Oh, you, you know, you pray to dead people. Well, as you, I love your response. Where in Scripture does it say the saints are dead? If we believe yeah. what the Lord says, what the Scriptures say, specifically, I think, not only in... in, in uh, the transfiguration in the New Testament, but in Revelation, the prayers of the incense are the prayers of the saints. The bowls of incense are the prayers of the saints, and they're all around the throne. And if we're supposed to be like Jesus, he's talking to the saints himself. So why? I, that, I don't understand that, that, that idea that we're worshiping or praying to dead people when we see Jesus conversing with Elijah and Moses. Yeah, it's just, it's all a misconception, unfortunately, and it's bad teaching on the Protestant side. And uh, I used to be a victim of that, and now that I understand the fullness of the faith, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And by the way, they're talking to Jesus about things that are taking place on the earth, and the right. disciples recognized who they were. So, right. I mean, this is pretty clear. Now, another thing before, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I want to bring out the fact and, and you mentioned it earlier, that John the Baptist is the fulfillment of Elijah. And mm-hmm. you see Elijah, he's, he was born in Tishbe. He's called Elijah the Tishbite. And he wears a leather robe. He's kind of a, a recluse. He's not a social person. And Elijah, Elisha, who is his protege, is much more urbane and social. Right. But Elijah lives a lot of time in the desert, and he's, he's not the sociable one. And he wears, uh, he's a hairy guy, with a, and he wears a camel hair robe with a leather belt, and that's exactly what John the Baptist wears. And, no, and that's the only time we're ever told that anybody wears a leather belt and a hairy robe, so that you can see the parallel between them. And when they're at the, when they're at the, uh, Jesus is being baptized, the Pharisees say, are you Elijah the prophet? Why would they ask that? 
because that's the same place that Elijah was assumed into heaven, from that mm. very place where John the Baptist was baptizing Jesus. And the last prophet, Malachi, said that, that Elijah will return before the great and awesome day of the Lord. Well, what does that mean, Elijah is going to return? Well, Jesus said John the Baptist came in this power and spirit of Elijah. He is the Elijah who is to come, if you'll, not reincarnation, but he is represents, you will accept that he is that John the Baptist. So the Pharisees knew that, that, that Elijah was going to come back somehow, and that, at the place where Jesus was baptized, that's where he went up into heaven. So they, they looked up to heaven, they looked at John the Baptist, they looked back up into heaven and said, did you just come back down? Mm-hmm. And that's that's why I think John the Baptist chose that place to baptize, because he was already telling the people, I am the fulfillment of the one who was assumed into heaven from here, and I'm now baptizing, and I'm introducing the awesome day of the Lord. In fact, here he is, the Lamb of God, and he baptizes them, and the Holy Spirit comes down, all in the same place that Elijah was taken up into heaven, on the other side of the Jordan River, by the way. How has your your conversion to Catholicism, and it's been many years now, and and you write about this, and you've got a brand new book out, and by the way, we're going to be dissecting this over the next couple of months, Steve's brand new book, uh, published by our friends at Ignatius, a Bible study guide and commentary on Genesis. It's fantastic. I got my personally autographed copy a couple weeks ago from Steve. He lives right here in Michigan. In terms of your faith, giving your Catholic faith, giving such new depth to Scripture and those who, who gave us the faith. How did that uh, impact Baptist, you? As a Baptist uh, evangelical, I, until I was 39 years old, and I was a Bible teacher, and I loved the Bible, Teresa, as you know. And, and I say it was like being in a room with a beautiful window, because light would come in through that window. But when I became a Catholic and discovered the depth of Scripture that the Catholic Church and the Fathers of the Church has always thought, it's like all of a sudden that room with one window now went bam, 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 all the walls blew out of that house and all the whole light and windows all the way around, because when you become Catholic and you study the Bible with Catholic eyes, the way that the tradition informs us, the Bible is so rich and exciting, and it's so beautiful that I love the Bible a hundred times more now than I did as a Protestant. When I thought that Catholics didn't know their Bibles, I found out now that Catholics know their Bibles the best of all, if we understand the tradition and the whole history and teaching of the Church. And the whole story of Elijah like this, and that he is the fulfillment. Uh, he is the protege, in a sense, not protege, but the prefiguration of John the Baptist, and how the Old and the New Testament call back and forth to each other. This is the beautiful thing, that the Old Testament has, everything is in there, You just people just couldn't see it until all of a sudden now the New Testament comes, and from the light of Christ, you look back and all of those things have meaning. That Noah's Ark because of, becomes a picture of water baptism. The manna in the wilderness becomes a picture of our blessed sacrament, the Eucharist. And I, I see Jesus in the middle like a conductor. And there's the Old Testament. And the Old Testament, he, he swings his wand over there to, as the conductor, and they come up with some um, different um, musical themes. And then he waves to the New Testament, and the New Testament picks up those themes and the woodwinds and the French horns and the fruits just carry that up all the way to heaven. And then he swings back to the Old Testament and brings up another theme, and then the Old New Testament just... And, and I just see the Old and New Testament like this beautiful orchestra playing together with Jesus as the conductor in the middle. And if you start to think of Scripture that way, the Old Testament just comes alive, rich and exciting. 
What, what I think is, is so crucial for me in my journey, and I know I've shared this with you before, that it, were the, the, it was our Protestant friends that introduced us really to a deep love of scripture. Not that we didn't have it in the church, but we had many, many Protestant friends who said they didn't try to get us to become you know, evangelical or Baptist or anything. They just said, bloom where you're planted. But they're the ones who invited us to Bible studies, these non-denominational uh -huh. Bible studies where, where Catholics and Protestants were together. And I just wish we would have more of that. I think it's getting better. I, th I wish we'd have more of that because I credit a lot of my Protestant friends, including one of my best friends today, Lynn, who listens every morning, by the way, with helping me grow in my Catholic faith. And it works both ways. I, I know I'm getting off the topic, but I want to just share a story. I won't mention his name, but we have a, a new friend of ours who's coming into the Catholic Church and he attended. We had the Rescue Project, Father John's Rescue Project series at our parish uh, earlier this year. And uh, this man uh, was with his wife and they're, they're at a local Baptist church, but they're very open and, and they have friends who are Catholic. And so they came because they've heard about Father John Mercardo and, and they heard about the book. Well, now the man is entering the Catholic Church and joining our parish because that session opened up so much more to him. He was raised Baptist, went to a Catholic high school, but then was really exposed to the faith in this rescued project, and now he's becoming Catholic. He's read the entire catechism, Steve, and he goes wow, to Mass, obviously impressive. doesn't receive communion, but goes to Mass and gets a blessing. And I saw him a few weeks ago, and he said, I cry every single time I'm at Mass, and I cry when I read the catechism. But I think we, I think if, if it's such a beautiful thing, because I have so many stories of people that are learning from each other, which is hugely, I think, important in terms of ecumenism, real ecumenism. Yep. My mother was one that uh, introduced a lot of people to the Bible because she, she died 100 at 100 years old a year ago, and she would just love her and my dad loved the Bible, and she went to Bible studies. I, in my books, I attribute my love of Scripture to my mom and dad, because as Baptists, they really did love the Bible, but I find it interesting that my mom, after I became Catholic, I would confront her with some verses that don't make sense for a Protestant, like, baptism now saves you. They say, no, it's faith alone. No, it says, baptism now saves you. And my mother said, Steve, there are a few verses in the Bible that I have to put them up on the shelf because they don't fit with mm. my... Yeah. my theology. Yeah. So the beauty of being Catholic is that every verse fits now for me. Every one of them are puzzle pieces that all fit together into a big, beautiful mosaic. And uh, we didn't have that when I was young. But the beauty of the Catholic Church and celebrating a feast day of a prophet like I, uh, Elijah today, you know, most people don't even know this. those Old Testament uh, saints are saints. Right, I say, saints are with Steve. We're out of time. I want to remind folks to check out Steve's great website catholicconvert.com and check out his brand new book we will be discussing it on this program over the next few months we're doing a special series Genesis a Bible study guide and commentary recently published by Ignatius we'll be right back on a Thursday this program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. As a Catholic dad, I know how frustrating parenting can be, but it doesn't have to be that way anymore. 
I'm Dr. Greg Popchak from More to Life, inviting you to become a premium member of Catholic Home. That's CatholicHOM.com. It's an online community dedicated to supporting faithful parents like you. At Catholic Home, you can chat with our team of family life coaches every day, get expert support with discipline issues, self-care, creating a stronger marriage, living your faith at home, or just coping with the stress of being a Catholic parent in today's world. In addition to the personalized expert support you'll get as a premium member of CatholicHOM.com, you'll get access to tons of creative resources, entertaining videos that teach your kids how to get along with each other and love the Lord, downloadable activities, monthly live parenting Q&As, a supportive community of faithful Catholic parents, and tons of other benefits, like my Bedatitudes podcast. Go to CatholicHOM.com today and become a premium member of the Catholic Home community. Again, that's CatholicHOM.com. I can't wait to see you there. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN. Wishing you a great Thursday, and hopefully you can tune in tomorrow on a Friday. Adomani. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.